is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Danny K. Bernstein, we continue the conversation of creating musical theater and getting unstuck and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Danny K. Bernstein. When you get stuck, how do you get unstuck? Are there different, you know, processes or a specific moment where that's happened that you could share? Um, a key integral part of my process is taking a lot of showers. Um, okay. <laughs> my All partner right. will attest to that when I am in a writing mode, especially when I'm feeling kind of blocked, I wind up taking sometimes like three showers a day um, just because <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is. It's like the one place where I feel like I'm not wasting time by just thinking because I'm, you know, cleaning myself. Um, I wind up being able to really talk to myself or even work through lyrics in the shower. I, I don't really know what it is, but that's always an integral part of my process. Um, and I, sometimes it's just stepping away for the night, you know, accepting that, you know, you've reached your limit, um, your brain space is full, take a break. Um, but often sometimes it's, especially when you've written a few songs, sometimes what I like to do is just play through the songs I've written um, especially the ones I like and just, you know, sort of cling on to the, the things I like about them. And, you know, while I'm grooving and feeling egotistical jamming out to a song that I've written, I, I can usually glom onto some things that I'm like, okay, cool. This is what's making me happy. And this is what I'm proud of and what's working. So how can I take this and apply it to this completely different moment? Um, and I find that that usually works actually, as far as just, you know, not just staring at, uh, empty word document or a, or the next page that's completely blank and feeling totally stuck. Sure. Do you have um, mentors now or in the past? Is there any standout pieces of advice you've received? Yeah, I had one mentor um, uh, and he passed uh, several years ago at this point, but um, one of my professors, Stephen Stuckey, um, a literal Pulitzer winner, um, he he definitely sort of saw that um, I was I was probably going to succeed in this, but at the same time he he's um, he was a modern classical composer and he had no idea sort of what to teach me. <laughs> he was like, I, you know, I think your music is great. I can offer you some advice as far as some of your bass lines and some of your harmonies, but I don't know what lyrics uh, what constitutes a good musical theater lyric. Um, he sort of just encouraged me to be prolific. And there were definitely some key pieces of advice that he gave me that I actually loved. Um, one of which that I always preach is uh, that limitation is the key to creativity. It's very counterintuitive, but um, the more limitations you give yourself, especially if it's a writing prompt or a very strict song structure, um, coloring within those lines even though it seems like, you know, the thief of creativity is actually very helpful as far as getting started. And as far as, you know, challenging your brain to explore how all the ways you can be creative while still following rules. And it kind of, sometimes those rules can kind of act like a roadmap and you don't, instead of having, you know, a tree of endless possibilities, you have a tree of sometimes like nine or 10 and that it can be a lot clearer to see a path forward when instead of just infinite possibilities, you're looking at a very few amount and suddenly you actually can find a way forward. I love that. It's, it's most interesting when you create, you know, parameters and a, almost like a box to put yourself in and you create these limitations, you get more creative 
you know, if, uh, if it had unlimited possibilities, it can almost become too much. Yeah. I mean, that was also what really helps me with BMI, um, is uh, they really do teach you how to write in a very, very tight lyrical format. Um, it's mm. AABA, um, this many syllables per line, don't exceed this, don't make it wordy, let the melody, do music first so that you're writing a lyric that suits a melody that doesn't have too many notes. So you have to choose words carefully and they have to rhyme perfectly and they have to scan. And it's like all those little factors are, you know, so overwhelming at first and it seems impossible to write a good lyric, but actually once you really force your brain to work that way, you really learn just how to look and think about words and sometimes lyrics really just write themselves. You you learn to appreciate the fact that you can only have a certain number of syllables per line. And instead of having to think of, you know, a bunch of words, you only just have to find a few of the right ones. And it's kind of freeing in that respect. You really do get to sort of just like let a song happen and let it write itself instead of feeling like, you know, you have to pick one of your infinite ideas and synthesize a bunch of them. It's I, again, it really just goes to the fact that it's like when you have a limited option of paths, you can often find a clear way forward. It's so true. Do you have doubts? Do you doubt yourself? Um, every hour on the hour, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that? What is that self talk uh, to work through that or um, use it to your advantage? <laughs> um, I think. I mean, the biggest self doubt I'm constantly faced with is especially in, uh, during COVID is uh, I've lost it. I, I peaked, I wrote two musicals. I can't write anymore. Um, I've lost the gift. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I want to say like, uh, the best way to do it is just to write something simple and easy. Um, but that's really hard. Uh, and I don't want to answer with that because I don't really think that's good advice. I think, you know, just write, just don't give up. That's, that's pretty poor advice. I would say be kind, just be kind to yourself. Mm. Um, accept the fact that some days you're gonna feel crappy mm. and that's okay. Some days you're gonna feel motivated and prolific. And then within a few hours on those days, you're gonna feel like crap again. And mm. that's okay. Uh, talk to your therapist, eat some ice cream. You know, <laughs> life will go on. Right. And you are still talented and you still will get things done, but it's not gonna happen today. And that's okay. Mm. There's nothing about today that um, is do or die. I love that. Is there a is there a, a a text you refer to frequently or often? Is there any places you go to look for inspiration? Good question. I mean, as far as inspiration, sometimes I just look up, you know, texts in the public domain just to see if there are any stories that resonate with me. Um, I also love you know, looking through Sondheim scores and listening to those lyrics because some of them, you know, especially when you learn the ins and outs of crafting, you know, very impressive or intricate rhymes and wordplay, uh, some of that always just like inspires me and invigorates me. As I remember listening to like the stuff in A Little Night Music and just being like, this is so clever. I want to write like this. I want to mm -hmm. be this clever and witty. I want to have slightly different music that sounds more like me but I want to like be able to do this with words. Cause this is cool. I I'm just also a word fanatic. I'm a New York times crossword puzzle speed solver. I, um, <laughs> I, I love word jumbles and all that stuff. I, so words are always like what make me excited and get me going. I'm very nerdy in that respect. But for me, that's always been like a go-to. Mm. 
Are there uh, common pieces of incorrect advice you've heard? Yes. The biggest one, I tell this to everybody, I feel like it's such a cliche to say, you know, if you're, if you're having trouble writing, just write what you know. Please don't write what you know. Uh, it's not that interesting. Like, if you know stuff, like, especially if you're like a white dude like me, like the things you already know do not need to be written about. Um, <laughs> do some, yeah, like, you know, I hear it. I and, hear it. and the things you know are probably more interesting to you than they are to the rest of the world. Don't write what you know, do some research, fall down a rabbit hole, like learn about things that you hadn't heard of until yesterday and do that. Really write about the things that are so foreign to you that like you have no choice but to like do weeks of research before you write a single lyric. Um, that's what I, I because I always do better when I am actually have to learn about something rather than what I'm just, you know, writing about life in general. And I, with the, I think about the first song I ever wrote um, that succeeded, which was It's Complicated, which first of all, was for a woman and a woman in a very tricky dating perspective that I myself have like never quite been in. Hmm. And it really did require me to sort of, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it required me to really listen to this girl I went to school with who was absolutely going through it at the time. Hmm. Um, and just even the act of that, like listening and really sort of diving into, you know, someone else's brain that wasn't, that was having thoughts that I hadn't had yet that alone made that song work better because I actually had to learn something instead of just, you know, writing what I already knew. So that's, that's the biggest advice to dispel. Don't write what you know, learn something new and write about that. That's, you know what? It's, it's a good way. It's a great way of looking at it. And I had never necessarily considered it in that sense. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, you know, for certain situations, like such as myself, even I put myself there. It's maybe not stories people want to hear. <laughs> exactly. So you know, it. isn't that? <laughs> and that's not to say always bring yourself and your perspective sure. to everything you write about, but bring your perspective to things you don't know about. Don't bring your perspective to the things you do know about. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's when that's when things become myopic, and that's when you know uh, it it sort of almost becomes self indulgent. Mm. So I, I really encourage people. It's like, yeah, if you, especially writers that, you know, don't know what they want to write about yet. Um, don't write what, you know, go look up stories that you haven't heard before. Go do research on something that sounds interesting to you and then write about that. Cause you're going to be a better writer, especially when you learn how to synthesize information that you don't already have in you mm. into something. That's so true. Do you have a, like a, a favorite failure or a parent failure? that ended up setting you up for success? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've definitely had plenty of clunker songs, um, for sure. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think of like a really spectacular failure that I learned, that I really learned something from. Mm, mm. Um, this is a good question. Hmm. I, I, feel like this is very egotistical to like be like stumped on when was something that didn't succeed? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, I go back to college and really just sort of thinking about like, you know, all those exams I failed and just, you know, really learning, you know, don't force yourself into 
anything that clearly weren't meant to do. And that goes for writing too. I, I feel like sometimes I announce new musicals that I'm very excited about writing. And then I just wind up not writing them because I realized that I had no interest in writing them as much as I just wanted to announce to the world that I was writing something. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't say that was, you know, a spectacular public failure as much as it was just like a personal failure, realizing that, you know, maybe this high pressure uh, deadline public situation wasn't actually working for me anymore. And that um, it was just going to have to be joy and investment that really pushed me forward and make, and made me put pen to paper. I, that's a weird cliche. I don't ever write and <laughs> I don't ever write with a pen. I, <laughs> I, I, I work on my MacBook and I actually write all of my lyrics, all of my lyrics for anything on colorful, the stickies app. And I, I color code them. <laughs> really? Color code them by song or by like verse and chorus? Oh, by like show. By um, show. Okay. I, anytime I'm doing, I was going to say Canterbury is always green. Um, Wings is always blue. Random commissions are usually pink. Um, I, I have a bunch of Peter and the Starcatcher notes here too, which is um, they're all in yellow. Um, but yeah, no, every time I write a lyric, it's always there. I don't know what it is. That's just where my brain can write lyrics, never in a word document. And, um, yeah, I don't, the reason I don't like doing it on paper is just because it like takes too long. Mm -hmm. And then you end up having to, you know, you have to tr transcribe it to a computer eventually if you want exactly. to get it into any proper format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but especially when writing a lyric, sometimes you have to do like just a bunch of permutations of words in your head just to make sure, just to get the scansion right. Sure. And then sometimes if I don't literally get it down a split second, I'm going to confuse myself and forget it. And that's another five minutes wasted. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to type plenty of writers write by hand, especially um, writers that want to make sure that even if they're stuck they're still writing so it doesn't feel like they've stopped their momentum they're still pushing forward that's not me but um there's a, actually a lot of benefits to writing by hand so i'm not going to knock that sure sure i i love this very very strong sense of self that you have you know with your with your visions and with your future and i i really appreciate the the setting deadlines before you know not entirely knowing whether or not you're going to reach it because that really it's fear is a powerful motivator right <laughs> yeah it, it's really fantastic yeah and you know i i also really always uh consistently recognize that it's like yes i i think i know myself and my process and what works for me very well and I'm also pretty sure that it wouldn't work for a lot of people. So I always say, please don't do what I do. Please find what works for you. Uh, find your learning process, find your writing process, um, and just listen to yourself. If something's working, do that. If something's not working, don't do that. I, I have objectively, you know, especially if you read any sort of writing books and stuff like that, I have objectively terrible habits, but they just happen to work for me. I am absolutely the exception to most of these rules. And I just think it's because I have a, a brain that works a very specific and certain way. Yeah. No, I, and I, I, I think it serves you really, really well for you know, you. all the creations and the future creations. And I can't wait to see them in person and hear them in person again, as theater continues to open. Do you have any favorite books or most gifted books um, that come to mind? Uh, I hate saying this because I mean, we know several deep care and the author has become very, very problematic in and very publicly. So recently, uh, specifically with her transphobia. Mm. Um, so I feel terrible endorsing, but I 
am rereading the Harry Potter books right now and I simply adore them. Mm-hmm. Um, both because they just create such specific worlds. And also, and this is, I, I also binge watched um, all the movies recently and I really binge watching them all back to back. I really didn't like them because I do think that what she does with her writing so well and something that I really try to do is these very precious details that you'll miss. Um, like every, you know, every little glint of information, even if it just seems, you know, random or casual really does serve a purpose in the end. And that's really both with Canterbury and with Wings, that is consistently what I try to do is just leave little hints of things to come, little details that seem very minute and minuscule and unimportant that then actually play a role almost in the way where plot details wind up fitting together like a giant puzzle and you have sort of a moment of insight halfway through act two and both where you kind of know how everything's going to come together um i that is consistently what i take away from harry potter it's just all these precious details but i hate endorsing jk rowling right now i'm very 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 mad at her and i don't know if i can forgive her but i can i do learn from her writing and i have to honor that Right. And you know, that's the thing. It's yeah, no, it's absolutely not right. What she's endorsed and said, um, but, but I, there are definitely pieces from each individual person. There are pieces you can take away without taking away the whole person <laughs> in terms exactly. of something to learn from <laughs> yeah. ways of being and ways not to be. <laughs> if you're going to steal from other writers, steal from writers and that maybe you have personal issues with. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> they're yeah. Why not? Why Why the hell not? Uh, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Joy. Joy. Always joy. Um, we, are, we are alive for not a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to do important things and things that matter. But ultimately, being finding joy is just the one thing that we should always strive to do, whether it's fleeting or whether it's long lasting Um, joy. I would also, you know, for me personally, put a comma and then maybe put laughter underneath, but definitely joy for sure. And how have you, have you, how have you gotten better at cultivating that through the pandemic? Oh gosh. You know, I, I had a lot of fun on TikTok. Um, I did. I wrote all these jingles. Um, in particular ones that um, I, the thing I think I went most viral for on TikTok was something called the Antifa hoedown. And (laughs) it's, you know, when I I wrote this three-part tight harmony country song that just confirmed every wacky right-wing conspiracy theory. (laughs) And there was a certain, it was like one of my biggest lessons from 2020, just feeling all this rage toward the country and toward the people running it and toward the horrible things that were happening. you know, rage doesn't help. Um, Action because of that rage helps, but just as far as, you know, cultivating joy within yourself, this fury that I had, especially just on the internet towards strangers was really not helping. Mm -hmm. And really finding a way to just like turn that rage into levity was so powerful. And especially when I learned that I was making other people happy too, uh, when other people, you know, found like such joy at the expense of you know, the horrible things that we saw half the country saying about people like us, about people of color, about trans people, and just to be able to, you know, find the comedy there and turn something awful into something that, you know, will make people laugh. Mm. That for me, and also some uh, like a little jingle that would get caught in people's heads. That for me was like a very 
huge turning point when, because I just didn't know what to do with all this fury. I was just so angry all the time. And so, and I, you know, it was COVID. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Some days I would just sit and stare at my computer, live it all day. So really being able to like, (laughs) you know, find some, some sense of joy for me was so powerful. Um, and it made so many Trump supporters so angry. And that was so fun because then that gave me more material to make funny jingles about. And it just became this fun feedback loop. And, <laughs> and, I, and I just found that I wasn't livid all the time anymore. I finally had to like regain that sense of joy. And I, that for me was like such a breakthrough. What an, what an ironic twist because usually negative feedback on a post or something on Instagram can cripple someone. It gives you life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it really, really did. Um, it, it, it became so much fun because it, it really became a game. You know, these are people that find your profile and are trying to piss you off. Oh, yeah. And it becomes this game of like, you know, especially, you know, when they call you names, just to agree with them and be like, oh, yeah, like I, I work for Antifa and I do have a Jewish space laser. Like, um, you are, <laughs> would you like to sign up for our e-newsletter? And just like being really, really, you know, just. And people get so, and those trolls get so, so, so frustrated because yeah. they realize that they're not, they're not hurting and I'm like actually getting clout and, you know, I'm getting some clout out of it. I'm, sure. they're helping me. They're helping the people that they're trying to kind of hurt. And, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had with that. As soon as you realize that, you know, fighting fire with fire doesn't work, but fighting fire with fun, uh, will at the very least bring you joy. I don't, and I would like to make it clear, it's not going to solve any actual problems in this country or the world, Mm. but it will absolutely protect your soul from getting sucked in to that dark pit of infinite hatred. And that's important. Very well said. Um, This this conversation has given me a lot of joy. (laughs) And clearly a lot of laughter. It's all recorded. (laughs) So I uh, before we get off, though, um, I know we talked about Far From Canterbury um, and we could talk about it again, too, uh, at this moment. But things you're looking forward to in the future with theater reopening in the fall and, you know, as summer uh, finishes as quickly as it starts. (laughs) Yeah. What are you looking forward to? I mean, definitely. I'm so excited to get back to the city um, at the end of August, Mm -hmm. just because it really does feel like the city again. Um, I've started playing at piano bars downtown again. Um, And, you know, obviously that pays bills. But in addition to that, it's just like very lovely just, you know, make money by sitting at a piano and um, playing so that people can sing uh, show tunes, jazz standards. It's just it's a nice feeling. And I am excited for theater to open up again. I really do hope you know, I wasn't thrilled with where the Broadway seasons were at prior. And I am kind of hoping that like now we can get, sometimes I feel like there's two teams on Broadway. There's team art and team money. And I would like team art to make a real comeback because I felt like team money was really dominating for a while. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're getting into that team art. (laughs) I really hope so. It feels like it. I really, really hope so, especially because that's the team I want to be on. I want to be on, you know, team making really good art and not team, you know, making musicals that they're expected to recoup investments for. Team capitalism almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate this conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I cannot wait to see where you are in three, six, nine, 12 months from now. It's just very, it's a very exciting time full of creativity. 
Yeah, we'll see. Here's hoping, you know, there's not another pandemic. I remember I was right. so looking forward to 2020 and I felt like I had all this stuff lined up and then, you know, the world had different plans. Didn't so it? I always, I'm knocking wood now when I think about the next year because I don't want to jinx it, but things look exciting. And I just feel like, you know, you know, New York is healing. Um, and there seems to be like this newfound appreciation for live theater that, you know, it's not just all about the hustle and the auditioning and the pounding pavement, but it is kind of this return to camaraderie of we all like to sing. We all, you know, cry at the end of Into the Woods. Well, I do. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, this fun shared joy of just doing, a, you know, doing something live and getting to share it with people. Um, and that's, you know, maybe it's, that sounds a little schmaltzy, but after the year we've had, I will gladly um, be as schmaltzy as I'd like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? Because you can. And who's going to stop you? Exactly. <laughs> and anyone who tries, put them in your next hit. One hundred percent. Yep. Well, Danny, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Uh, what a conversation. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Danny K. Bernstein. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>